Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We want to look at the lesson. Um, it would have been Sunday, but we will. Uh, we just want to read one verse, and then we'll pray just a moment, and then you may be seated. We'll just. For, for right now, we'll just read one verse. It's just Exodus 12, 23. And it said, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and upon the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what it means. So God, I ask you right now for the next few moments, we need you, God. We need you to touch us, touch our minds, Lord God. Father, you know where we've been today through all the activities that we have been in, the many places that we've been pulled, Lord God. So I pray right now, gather us together, God. Touch us, anoint us for this word to be strengthened, Lord God, to be nourishment to our soul and our mind, to bring us peace and strength, God, I pray, as we magnify you. The holy name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. First of all, thank you for being here. Um, the name of the lesson is Covered by the Blood. So uh, that right there is a, a title that just means you're going to need to be in church for a while to understand that title. Uh, I have been um, just joked with before that people that just went in church by what did all that blood uh, mean, but everything in the Bible, everything in the Bible that relates to the Lord, the Old Testament, bringing up in the New Testament has a purpose. It all does. It all works together. It was not in there by accident. And this, where God told them what to do, and everything has a meaning. It is not just something where we read it and we're just reading for reading's purpose. We're reading about something that God said to do, and he was very specific. So when we read about something in the New Testament where God is something that he has promised to us, we don't have to just sit back and wonder if that's true. Because go back in, in the Old Testament, that's a, a, a just a promise to us when we read in the Old Testament. God said, if you will do it like this, 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 and this, then I'll do this. And then when we get in today, we got all these, well, if it don't work like this, I'll just go to the doctor. You know, I'm just like you. But God said, if you will do it like this and you'll have the faith to believe me, no matter what this says, no matter what the doctor says, I'm going to die when the Lord gets ready to take me. It's not according to man, it's according to the Lord. And it's just... The, the title is just covered by the blood. And I want to go back just a few verses where we started. We started and what we just read was uh, 23. I want to jump back to 21. 
Basically, it's just an Old Testament Bible lesson, but let's start at 21 and read. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike it on the lintel and on the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Now that seemed to be unique only at this time. Moses said, take the blood, dip the, the hyssop in there, do the lintel, the two side post, and don't go out of that house. In 23, we read, so I'll go to 24. And you shall observe this thing, 24, for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you come into the land which the Lord will give you, according as he has promised that he shall keep you in this service. And it shall come to pass when your children say unto you, What meaneth you by this service? That you shall say, It is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses as a people bowed their, bowed the head and bowed their head and worshipped. Now, so the Lord told them, and make no mistake about it, God was going through Egypt. We live basically in a type of Egypt. God was visiting every house in Egypt. And make no mistake about it, the only thing that separated them houses was the blood on the house. That's it, pure and simple. And so God was visiting every house. And so that's what protected them. Now, if they would have took and put it on the window, I just don't believe it would have worked. God said, you do the lintel and the two side posts. You had to do it the way God said to do it. Why did he want you to do the house? That's where you go in and out. I don't know. I, I, that's not for me to say. That is the way God said to do it. It's not for us to say, well, you know, why does he want to do that? That's really not for me to ask. God said, do it this way. And only do it this way. So they did this. So, and that is literally what saved their life. If an Egyptian looked at them and they say, hey man, what are you doing? Man, I ain't never seen them put blood on their house. And he started talking to him, and look, and the guy, and guy says, you know, that makes no sense at all. But I've heard something about y'all. I think I'm going to do that. Well, guess what? The death angel is going to pass over his house too. Because he followed the example that had been given to the Israelite. In other words, the Israelite was a witness unto him. So God said he's going to pass over every house that's in Egypt. And only the blood on the door and the two side posts is going to be a satisfactory. And that's why it means by covered by the blood. So it starts out... The lesson does, California, when the fever broke out, there was a man that went west to strike it rich. So the story goes, he, he goes out and he wants to do it. He works and it's been a long time. He hadn't struck, struck it rich, but he tells his wife, when I finally do strike, strike it rich, his wife is in New York, he's in San Francisco, I will send back to you and then you could come. So... He hadn't struck no goal yet in the story, as the story goes. But he takes and he makes 
enough money to send for his wife, and he has a child. So then they get on this boat, and they, they, they start to go to San Francisco. But as life does it, they wasn't traveling very long, and all of a sudden a fire started. But what was the danger thing way back then was there was gunpowder. And if you know anything about gunpowder, you know that fire is the last thing you want it to be around. So literally, the, the crew panics, and they're taking and putting out the lifeboats, and, and literally, there's not enough lifeboats. So the mother takes at the last minute and takes the child, and she's begging them, literally the last lifeboat, to take the child. And they tell her, no, she's not, there's no room. There's no room. And um, so she begs and pleads, and finally they tell her, since it's small, give me, the, give me the child. So she tells the child, if you see your father, you tell him that I died so you could live. And D.L. Moody uses that before, that he has used that in, in relating uh, Jesus to us in just a small way and what the Lord meant when he went to Calvary. And so he, he, it, it takes, and I don't know if the son ever made it. The story doesn't give that. But the Bible tells us that, that Jesus was our Passover lamb. Ecclesiastes um, 8 and 8 tells us this. There's no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in war. Look, we're all going to face death, and that, and that reality cannot be avoided. And I guess when you do, as age gets closer, um, as the old saying, as the guy used to joke with me, when you get, on, get over 40, it's all downhill from there. But, and I'm way past that. <laughs> but, you know, um, you do think about this world is not our home. Literally. I mean, we ain't got no fascination with death. But we have heard this all our life. Egypt is not my home. I don't want to get comfortable here. You know, God said he's prepared for us a place. And so uh, the, that there's no discharge in war. There, there's no way to get away from it. Neither should. You know, who, what kind of witness? I won't just be me. What kind of witness would I be? If, if I just witness, tell somebody how good God is, and then all I do is, man, I can't. I just can't. I, I want to live forever. I don't want to leave this earth. And when that person is looking around and seeing what's going on in our world, and I want to stay in this world, not me. Not me. God said he's prepared for us a place. Egypt is not my home. I want to be covered by the blood so I can go home. And probably the, the one... I, I don't know. It, it's been compared to, to being on death row. is probably one of the worst, most places to be, you know, knowing that you could kick off at any time. But m most, and I said that in a way too casual way, but what I mean is somebody being there, but most 
states probably does, doesn't even carry that anymore. But I can tell you right now, that would be horrible, knowing that you could literally be put to death at any time. And where we could liken that to us is, I mean, the Bible literally tells us. As far as when it comes to sin, <laughs> there's no get away. The penalty is death. There's no way to get away from it. No way to get away from it. And, you know, the, the children of Israel, I don't know, God told them that as far as the Passover, celebrate this, keep this. You know, there's a reason for this. And it started all the way when, when they was in Egypt and they was coming out. God literally started the Passover then. He said, don't, don't stop this now. There's a reason this is all started. It was so dramatic. God said, this is going to be the, the beginning of months for you. Everything is changing now. And, and do not uh, forget to do this. And so they go out. They're doing this. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews that almost all things are purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, it's no remission. Now, in the Old Testament, if there was no sacrifice for sin, sins couldn't be remitted. And so, you know, we think back, all we have known is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But living in the Old Testament, what, I, I just can't imagine. You go to the priest and all of a sudden he kills an animal and tells you, this innocent little animal is a sacrifice for your sins. See, we can't even relate to that. But it was a type to bring us to Jesus Christ. And it was all done for a purpose. And to us, it just, I'm not trying to be hypocritical, it's hard to make sense. But back then, it was all working toward a point, And that was the final human sacrifice, Jesus. As was the final sacrifice, not human sacrifice, but, but through this. And the thing of it is, Israel spent one place in the Bible, it's not a, it, it doesn't contradict it. One place it says, it just in general says 400 years. Another place, total years is 430 years. Now, I don't know what it must have been like to be there, but they were in bondage, literally. As the Bible calls them, they were slaves. There again, we can't literally with our mind relate to it. Now, we know when we say he's a slave to something, but literally to be beat and to be made to do this and just, we, you know, they was in prison. Well, not like the Israelites was. You know, they was literally, uh, and you think for a second, this is God's chosen people. And they're there for a total of 430 years and they're thinking, you know, we've been told that somebody's coming to get us. But yet all I do is go to bed and get up and somebody beats me all day the next day. And then I, I just, I go and somebody dies and we raise another generation. And, but you know, I don't know what them people had, but you couldn't beat it out of them. God give me some of that. I'm telling you. You know, when they just, somebody's coming. Do not let me get to the point that I'm, well, you know, it is what it is. Lord, don't let me be that way. You know, God sent Moses and Aaron to the house of Pharaoh. And every time they went, you know, God said, I'm going to harden his heart. And the point being, in my mind, I'm going to prove to him 
if I have to lead him by the nose, I'm going to prove to him they can have their gods, plural, but I'm going to show him who God is. And so every time he give him one, you know, he said, let my people go. You know, nope, nope, nope. I don't think I am. But at the first they was told to kill the young lamb. It had to be of no defects. They was to roast and eat it. You know, the Lord even believed in grilling the meat. So any meat that was left over, left over had to be burned. They, and, and this is unique to me. They was to eat it fully dressed with their sandals on and with their walking sticks in their hand. What does that mean to us? You've got to live ready. You can't, you can't like just, you know, the Bible says... When God comes, it's going to be in the moment and twinkling of an eye. Wait just a minute, Jesus. It's done. It's done. It's done. I mean, you know, I've always joked uh, about riding dirt bikes, you know, and, and you, you get in a danger uh, part. And I've always, this is the joke that I said, if you have to think about what to do, it's too late. <laughs> and that's the way it is going to be with the Lord. If you ain't dressed your sandals on and your staff in your hand. God help me. They was to eat it fully dressed. Why would you do that? Because God said so. Eat it fully dressed with sandals on their walking sticks in their hands. Eat it. It's the Passover. God said to do it. Now, they had to do that. They put the blood on there. God was going to deliver his people, and he went throughout the land of Egypt. Now, the Bible tells us that we are in this generation, in this dispensation, rather, that Acts 2.38, we know that. We have this. What to do in the, to repent? We're baptized in Jesus' name. Receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And, you know, I, I, I've said, and here's... And, just pardon me for being my age. But here's one thing I think about more often. You know, I've said, you know, earlier, um, when is the blood applied to us? I've changed my mind. And here's, and here's one thing I think. As I get older, I'm not saying stuff doesn't matter. The only thing matters is, is this Bible. What I think just don't matter. All it is is just what I think. But one thing the Bible says is in 2 Corinthians 1, it says the Bible says that His Spirit seals us. You look up the word sealed. It's mark. It marks us. You are marked. That's why the Antichrist says you've got to take the mark of the beast. It marks us. So if, it, if we're marked with anything, I believe it's the blood of the Lamb. I believe that's what we're marked with. Because if He can go through and give us something that's going to be used as a type forever and say, when I pass through every house, if I don't see the blood, when it says in this Bible that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, He marks us. So I believe then... That's only me, but I'm saying I believe that's when it could be, and I'll leave it at that. But we are. If the blood was not applied to that home, the firstborn, it's unique that the Bible says in the Old Testament. I know you've heard it, but I was truly fascinated years ago that even the animals died. Because 
I'm going to prove to them that I'm serious. Even the animals died. I ain't leaving no firstborn alive. I'm taking them all. And then he takes and he sees this. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. Hence, Passover. I will pass over you. It's a promise of God. The one thing that saved them was the blood. Was the blood. Israel understood there was no there was no deliverance without the covering of the blood. Israel understood that. I guarantee you when Moses instructed them and then their leaders instructed them, they didn't have to tell them twice. They didn't have to tell them twice. They was no longer captives. And all of a sudden, when they had seen what God was doing and Moses instructed them what to do, how to do it, it was done. It was just done. I mean... Lord, help me to be one of them people. Not, why have we got to do it? Why, one, one side's good enough. If I do the lintel and one doorpost is good enough. Lord, help me. When an anointed man of God stands up here and says, Do this, I feel God anointing me. Let me just do it. Let me just do it. When we experience this same freedom that God can give, I believe after the first night, when God told them, you stay in there, don't you go out. The very next time that they seen daylight, man, I believe it would be just like somebody on death row that all of a sudden realized somebody had just come in and just said, you can go. All of a sudden, they realized the bondage that they was in. They had been delivered. All of a sudden, they got to walk out. They got to go. In Isaiah, Isaiah says it like this, that the Messiah is going to be the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. And to understand this, another Old Testament feast was the Day of Atonement. Now this was the highest holy day to Israel, period, that was done higher. The Day of Atonement. So that's when they take, they take two and they pray for the sins. This is, it's hard for us to realize this. They take, they kill one, take one scapegoat, send it away. But the interesting thing about it, the goat that they send away never returns to the camp. How unique is that? When God said, I won't remember your sins no more. I'm going to put my hands on that goat and that goat ain't coming back. And all we sit and do is say, God, what about this? And what about that? I'm going to anoint one. And we're going to roll them away. But what's been done, I'm going to put my hands on that goat. And that goat ain't coming back. That goat's gone. If you bring it up, it's on you. It's not on God. If it's under the blood, it's on you. It's not on God. That was the holiest day to Israel. It was. <clears throat> the sacrifice, that day of atonement, restored the brokenness that they had between man and God. It brought the peace. <clears throat> peace for them is shalom. It means a wholeness or completeness. Jesus took that which was broken and put it back together again. 
He's the only one that can truly do that, of take which was broken and bring it back together again. He is truly the healer of the broken. He truly is. That's exactly what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection. He set to heal us. He shed his blood to bring peace to our troubled minds and spirits. He was our atonement. He is our atonement. His sacrificial blood paid the penalty for our sins that we could live a far greater peace. I'm not mad. A far greater peace than what we really do. He paid the price. He really did. For Israel, peace was not a Passover was not a one-time event. The Lord commanded the Passover to be served on an annual basis. God told him to do it. He never intended for Israel to only celebrate Passover during their deliverance. He told them, every sacrificial animal pointed to the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And God manifested in the flesh to redeem all humanity. He would carry the sins of the world and pay this price. And he did this. He did this. In the year that Jesus died... The Jews celebrated the Passover by killing a lamb for the temple sacrifice. And during their normal celebration and offering, they missed the fact that Jesus died the final sacrifice of atonement. When he died on the cross and he said, it is finished, I believe a lot of them missed it. Because he said, all this time, the blood that's been spilt of so many animals, you don't need to do that anymore. It is finished. I am the final atonement. You won't need to do this anymore. It is done. He was declaring an end to the offering of blood sacrifices for the sins of the people. Now, that's why we could go, Paul said, to come boldly into the throne of grace. We can come in and pray. We can ask for forgiveness. The atonement's already been made. Come in and ask for forgiveness. God has already paid the price. Ask for forgiveness and get it. Receive his spirit. That's why literally we've, hunt, we've heard it so many times. But when John made the revelation when he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was literally declaring this, uh, this truth. And Paul said in Ephesus, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Listen, the forgiveness of sins. But get this, according to the riches of his grace. Now I don't think you can put an amount on that. According to the riches of his grace. I wouldn't even want to try to figure what that else that is. Now, he was our atonement. He is the completed atonement. Our blood, literally, the blood comes from him. The sacrificial lamb, we point to Jesus Christ. By his death, he delivered the world from the bondage of sin. Now, here's one thing. Like I said, Israel was there. This is me. Israel was there 430 years. But Israel had to learn. They had been there for so long. They had been drove as slaves and all they could see. And I don't blame them. 
All they could see was you've got to get me out of this physical torment. But what God had to teach them is there's something way more deadly than the physical torment in that sin. And it started with the Passover. Because if you had been as long in physical torment as Israel, the one thing, I tell you what I'd be locked in on, you just get me out of Egypt. I don't really care how you do it. But God had to show them. There's something more greater than physical torment. That's sin. And now, if you ask me, our world's flipped the other way. That's me. But I'm telling you, they had to show them, and God started it with the Passover and brought it all the way up to him and saying, now it's finished. That we don't need to shed any more blood. The final blood has been shed that we have this. It was a time. Now they had, they could rejoice. They had a time when they, now we can rejoice because of all of this has been done. God had paid the price. Even in Ezekiel, the Bible tells us, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, but Israel was learned at a time, but what would it be like? I don't know. Here is, you're just going along, you're taken out, and you're just slowly learning, and you're being taught this principle, and you're just learning from God little by little. But everything, everything is for a point. Like I said at the beginning, everything God has a point in everything that he's doing. And it's bringing us to this point. And now we are in the dispensation of grace that is why it is really, really, no matter what's going on in our world, all we have to do is call on God and literally give ourselves to Him because ultimately, and I'm not trying to be cruel to no one, how we live our life is ultimately up to us. Really, because God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are the ones, I'll say it for you, that live in the real world. So we are faced all uniquely with different circumstances from different areas. It all hits us from different ways. We all take things. We're just geared different, all in different ways. So that way it affects us. But when it comes to spiritual manners, God, God is no different. So we can be, I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm telling you, we can be as spiritual as we want to be. Where we fight it is just everyday life. That's the truth. And I'm probably the worst in here. If you read Romans, when Paul goes through the seventh chapter, if you read Romans, the seventh chapter, and don't read no more, man, you're thinking, my goodness, what's the use to even try? Because he is saying how hard it is to deal with this flesh. But when you go to the eighth chapter and start where he left off, where he says, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
Okay. You make me mad and I get in my flesh? Do I need to stay in my flesh? Not if I want to walk in the Spirit. But Paul, what Paul's doing, I believe Paul just said, you know what? I'm not going to put this on such a high level that they can't obtain to. I'm just going to be real. But Lord, don't let them stop at the seventh chapter. Let them, let them go on and read eight. Because here is the strength. Because literally, the power of us, the power of the Spirit literally becomes our strength. Not walking in the flesh. I ain't, all I'm going to gain is a bad attitude. But if I can walk in the Spirit, then that's where my strength is going to be. That's where my strength is going to be. Now, I want to end, but I'll tell you what I want to do. I'm going to do a little something different. Um, turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy in the 11th chapter. I just want to read, read some verses to you. In the 11th chapter, and let's start at 18. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall teach them, teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the door post of thine houses and upon thy gates, and that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Um, if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to cleave unto them, then the Lord would drive out all of these nations from before you and you shall possess greater nations and mighty, mightier than yourselves. Everywhere where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness of Lebanon, from the river, uh, the river Euphrates, unto the uttermost sea shall be your coast. Now, I was going to read some more, but I'll just read one more verse, and that's in Genesis. But what I want to say is I want you to think with me just a minute. When we speak of the promised land, you know, we look at it. The Lord does say at times that he promised it to them. But look at the way, um, okay, look at 21. This is, the all, this is what it is always, and, and this is a type that I want to take to us today. That your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord, which the Lord swear unto your fathers. He didn't swear this land to Israel. 
He swore this land to their fathers. This can't die with us. This, that land was not swore out to Israel. Everywhere you read this, it was swore to their fathers, not to them. When you go back, it says in 24, Every place where on the sole of your feet shall tread shall be yours. How much do we want? How big, a, how big an area do we want to leave? We can't, we can't let this die with us. How many times have we heard ministers? How many times have we heard it in our ears? How many times have we heard ministers ministering and said, we are reaping what others sowed? Man, that's always bothered me. And when I read, when I read this, I didn't swear this land to you. You're going to inherit it. But it wasn't swore to you. It was swore to your fathers. You could thank them for it. Now how much you want of it is how much you're willing to claim. If, you're, if, if you have no ability to claim none, don't blame your fathers. What I just read out to you, that's what I swore unto your fathers. If you don't claim it, it's on you. Now, I don't want to leave it negative. Turn with me to Genesis 6.18. The Lord, speaking to Noah, he said, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come in the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. I've heard this spoke of almost, not in a condemning way, but just say, Noah only won his family. Really? Noah, Noah saved the human race. Don't let nobody beat you down. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're not doing. If you've worked, if you've sought, if you've done... Do not, do not let the enemy try to destroy you. Because just like God said, I guarantee you, God has swore something to people that's went before us. I promise you. And the reason why I say this can't end with us is because we got to leave something for those that's coming behind us. And if we let it, the enemy will tell us that we're not doing enough. And for long, it'll be like when Noah didn't win nobody. Look at him. When the man saved the human race. And people will try to just get you to think, you know, well, you ain't doing nothing. We can't, we, we can't let that get in our spirit. We, we got to do all we can. I admit that. But we can't let the enemy put a wedge in. Where it, don't, where it doesn't need. But what we have to be and what truly to remember 
is to keep our minds right and keep it stayed in when I read that, that the goat didn't come back, that sure moved me. I've prayed about stuff that I really shouldn't have, thinking that I needed to pray about it. Did I need to pray about it? When you go to the Bible, the Bible says that the sins was put on that scapegoat and that scapegoat left and never returned. Now, I ain't trying to condone sin in no way. I don't mean that. What I mean, following God's plan. It's for a purpose. To God's people, we work. He has swore to some. And He said, the boundaries has been laid out. Take what you want, and we cannot give in to the enemy. Let's stand. I'll just let the musicians stay. Let's just pray. Let's ask God to seal the word in us and keep us. God, I love you. I thank you, God, most of all. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.